And I think we're live. What up, Wolves? It is Don Chen's. I got another interview, and it's probably the first person I don't have a personal relationship with, so we're going to get to know each other right now. I'm here with uh, stand-up comedian Rich Happel. Rich, how's it going? Living the dream, baby. How about you? I'm never better. Hey. Um, thank you for doing this. Yeah, of course, man. Pr- pretty last second, too. I said, hey, could you do it this weekend? You're like, yeah, let's do it. So, And you were... Uh, just out with Dan the other night, right? So with Dan last night. Yeah. Good time. Uh, got food poisoning. Shout out Dos Toros. On, uh, <laughs> you got from Dos Toros. I love Dos Toros. Don't go to the West 4th by the West 4th subway station. Shit. Went right there. Got Pharaoh. Don't technically know what Pharaoh is. Yeah, uh, not going to get it again. I'll tell you that much. Damn. I like always talk shit about Chipotle and say everyone should get Dos Toros. Damn. You know because what? Chipotle gets people sick. So I figured Dos Toros is better, but now Dos Toros is getting people sick. That's why I learned. I also can't go to Al Horno. Shout out Al Horno. Also gave me food poisoning. That was like a year ago. Damn. Wow. Now I'm scared to go. That sucks. I can't get burritos anywhere now. I've got a bowl. You know, try to be healthy. I do the bowl. <laughs> it's what it, I, None of it's, it's get fucked. No, no matter how hard you try, it's never uh, healthy anyway. So Yeah, it doesn't matter, but yeah. it's all in my mind. <laughs> yeah, whatever it makes. Yeah, as long as you feel like it's healthy, that's all that matters. You exactly. don't know any difference anyway. <laughs> All right, so do you have two truths and a lie? Two truths and a lie. Yeah, you told me to think of some. I, I got three things at right, the top see if of your dome. Okay. Uh, first, first thing, I was an exercise scientist. That was my. That's a former job. Okay. Second thing, I've seen Taking Back Sunday over ten times. Okay. And the third thing, uh, I have two dads and one is gay. <laughs> the last one is a lie. Last one's a lie. Yeah, good, <laughs> good job. <laughs> good job on that one. I was thinking, okay, well, he said taking back Sunday over 10 times, maybe he only watched it nine times and that's the lie, but then the last one, I'm like, that's probably it. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people you don't almost got pick me. it up. Yeah. You almost got me. Wait, what was the first thing again? Uh, I was an exercise scientist. So that was for a, a long job. time. Is that yeah, what you studied I, in school? I did do the lone wolf fitness uh, yeah. thing, so I thought I'd uh, bring that up. So you uh, did you? St- is that what you studied in school, and that's what you started with? Yeah, I have a master's in exercise physiology. A master's? I have a master's. And you don't do it anymore? No. Like anything related to that? Nothing. But you got a master's with it? Yes, sir. So <laughs> did you feel... Do, do you... Regret that decision then? Oh, a hundred percent. Completely useless. I got I got a full <laughs> scholarship. It's the only reason I went. But uh pretty but useless. What you study undergrad? Exercise science. Okay, so that was related to that then. Right. I mean that happens a lot of times though. I feel like you don't know when you're eighteen what you want to do and you pick a major, then it's like, Oh, I graduated, I don't want to do that at all. Although but then once you get a master's degree, I feel like you should know by then. <laughs> well, I like it was like uh it's free. Yeah, what if it's free, I guess. Okay, that's different. And since I was like eight, I was like, I'm going to be a comedian. So like none of this matters. So it's just like, let's do it and get it out of the way. So you always knew you wanted to be a comedian? Oh, yeah. What? When did you know you wanted to be a comedian? Oh, I used to do like, uh, so I'm from Long Island. So all the kids would go to sleepaway camp and okay. I would do a summer school that our school district provided. I did like a TV radio. I was like, this is it. And then, yeah, I was probably like nine. I think I did a music video to uh, In the End by Linkin Park. Shout out Linkin Park. <laughs> and I was like, I'm crushing it right now doing this. I'm a natural. Me, this one Asian kid who doesn't know English, and <laughs> we're just crushing Linkin Park right now. I was like, there's something here. Uh, who, what comedians did you like watching growing up? Like who? Uh, Patrice O'Neill. Dane, Co- Dane Cook's... Uh, Dane Cook was a legend. His Comedy Central half hour, Comedy Central Presents Dane Cook, was like the most wild half hour yeah. ever, still. Yeah. And then uh, Mitch Hedberg, his special on uh, 
Comedy Central. Those are like the big three. I, I always watch. I know the last person, but I remember Dane Cook was like top dog when we were younger, at least. Oh, with the CDs and the Insomniac. Yeah, tw- Insomniac yeah the C- yeah, he had like the one audio tour. like CD that I remember everyone listened to. He had like the Burger King skit and something like that on it. He was right, like super popular, whatever it was. Yeah, and yeah. he was. The, I'm not the biggest fan of his, but uh, he was like he really for our age. Yeah, exactly. He like yeah. really brought stand up to like the forefront. Right. So when did you first? start doing it like what was the like first time you got on stage and decided to actually go for it first time it was uh a week after i graduated high school i did a show it's a bringer show which uh, if you don't know what that is you have to bring people to get on stage right uh through gotham comedy club it was at their small room the metropolitan room uh i brought all my friends from high school came out and little did i know i did uh sketch comedy in high school and the other kid I did sketches with secretly signed up to also do that show. So it was like my whole high school was in the audience. That's kind so, of better though. They're probably more receptive to your jokes. I would think, right? I was, Oh, I was just pitching inside jokes. left yeah, and right, I feel Murdering. Like that, I feel like that helps. Yeah. yeah I was like, idiots don't even, <laughs> I'm crushing it right now. People do this for years and I'm murdering. And then for seven years later, I bombed. Yeah. Yeah. Like what's the worst you bombed? The worst I bombed, oh, some bad places. I did a show, an outdoor show in Coney Island like two years ago, almost two years ago. It was the week of uh, 4th of July. That awful. Uh, it's called an ambush show, which uh, that's that? not like what, that's what like comedians call it, which basically people are just at a bar hanging out and then you just grab a mic and go like, hey, show's about to start team. Here we go. And then you're just pitching jokes to people. That were ready for it. They yeah. were having a great time before you showed up, yeah. and now you're here. It's like in high school, you would have a high school party, and the cops would show up, and <laughs> but instead of kicking you out, they're like, "Wait, wait, tell me." So anyone, anyone been to Coles before? <laughs> anyone do that? Yeah, I feel like that could either go be a pleasant surprise, or people could be like, "Yo, dude, get the fuck out of here!" Like yeah, it's gonna it's, be one or the other. There's it's no in, never in the, the pleasant ground. surprise. Yeah, never that. That's never the reception. <laughs> Ever in the hundreds of shows I've done like that. Not once. <laughs> That's so funny. Is that the, so I had, I asked Dan, so you're like really close with Dan. So I had Dan give me a little bit of intel before I was like, anything I should ask him or no. And one of the things he said, he said, tell him that Dan said to ask about the Coney Island story. So is that the Coney Island? That's the Coney Island story. Is that the Coney Island story? That's the Coney Island story. Yeah. yeah. Wait, so what, what happened? You went in, you ambushed and then what? Yeah. So basically so we, I should, at least me. I think it was we. It was through a, a company that tours around the country. Okay. I forgot what it American Me Comedy. That's what it was called. And uh, they booked this show in the Coney Island bar. It's it's in a backyard with a stage. There's a DJ on the stage and there was like people dancing all over the place. And it was underneath the, the Comet. What's the roller coaster? Dude, I have no clue. In never Coney been Island. There. No clue. Like, the Cyclone, not the Comet. But whatever you say, I'm going to be like, yeah, that's it. <laughs> comet in Lake George, Six Flags. That's where the Comet is. All right. Different roller coaster. So the owner gets up and he's like, hey, guys, a comedy show, five minutes, you know, get your seats. And people, there was tension immediately. Dude. People were not happy. How do you even get up there? I would just be like, nah, I'm not going to do it. So the uh, the guy who was hosting, this guy Jose, he got up there and he was like, hey guys, how you doing? How you doing? Hey, where are my Puerto Ricans at in Coney Island? And uh, no one said anything. But 
there were a lot of Puerto Ricans <laughs> in the audience. There were several, and they said nothing. And he just floundered for like three, four minutes, and then he brought me up. And usually when people bring you up, they're like, uh, this guy, he's been on this and that. And yeah. Keep it go. He just said, uh, your next comic is Dominican. Keep it going for Rich Happel. Are you actually Dominican? I am negative Dominican. <laughs> I, like, you don't I couldn't Dominican. be less I didn't Dominican. want to assume, but you don't look Dominican at all. <laughs> right. I was like, just you could have told them I was a seal. Yeah, That's equally closer. as true yeah. <laughs> to me being Dominican. It actually probably is. Just as true. Yeah. And then I did what felt like two hours. I think it was like six minutes. And then uh, I just got an Uber and left, and it was a $98 Uber. So now I know how much it costs to get uh, from Coney Island back to the financial district. That's how much it <laughs> yeah, costs. Yeah, it's actually a far trip. <laughs> yeah, it's a far trip. Damn. So is it? would you rather follow someone who bombs or someone who kills it on stage? Like, what's worse? Is it harder to try and keep up with the person who sucked, or is it better to have a really low like bar set? I think it depends. Because if someone crushes, it it could be, you know, someone who's not very good and the crowd's just really hot and you're like, oh, no, this is going to be awesome. Right. But if the crowd's been bad the whole show and that guy murdered, you're like, ah, right. Yeah. Now I got you that. step your game up. Yeah. Right. Then you really got to bring it. But usually following someone that bombs, I don't really mind it because it's like, uh, you know, they didn't like that person. So yeah. if you're just like you make fun of the situation. Right. They seem to go on your side. And is that ethical? Is it unethical? Might be unethical, Maybe. but it works almost every time. They would probably do it to you if you bombed, you know, and they followed you. So it's like, it's just. Listen, it's comedy. Right. The angles laughs. Yeah. So if you are, you know, the, the joke, joke. Right. Yeah. Sorry, but uh, I don't know. Be better, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't. And that have you said that happens to you. That's happened to you often. You said it's seven oh, years yeah. ago. Yeah. So, like, how do you deal with that i assume now you've gotten to a point that if it does happen you handle it a little better than when you first started but how were you able to handle it when you first started and it didn't go well oh yeah well it's like uh it's like building a callus you yeah. know like uh you know you, you're a weightlifter right. you yep. know when you first start you got these soft hands and as time goes on you keep lifting the weights it's easier to grab on too because you got a little callus hands a little strength added and that's what it is it's just you do these awful shows just so that it can't affect you anymore. Right. Yeah, it's like a bulletproof vest. And then, so, do you think when that happens, I assume it, it's on a case-by-case -case basis, but sometimes it's maybe the crowd. Sometimes it's maybe, like, do you ever, do you, like, record yourself and listen back and be like, oh, I didn't do a good job here. Um, it's how I delivered it. Or it's, I should just scrap this joke altogether. Like, what is it, does it normally lead to significant changes in the bits you're doing or do you normally just be like ah like just chalked it up as an L and just move on to the next one kind of thing oh yeah like, how much does it affect you going forward when that happens I mean some what a lot of people do is they'll do a joke that they know works and then right. that just sets that's the bar so yeah. if that joke crushes you're like okay the rest of this will be an honest feedback if yeah. the joke doesn't land it's because it's just not a good joke that's a, I never thought about that that's actually true like I, I would me not knowing comedy I would think oh you just do that because you know that's gonna get a laugh and you want to start off well and get them going but that's a good point that if you know that always gets a laugh if you do that and it doesn't get a laugh that means you know like the response is not going to be true to like what a normal crowd would be right and i mean this is for like a, just a regular show like what me and dan are doing you know we're doing these awful shows in the back of bars and laundromats and barber shops and it's you know, you throw that out just to feel, but like if you're doing, you know, you got an audition or there's like an agent in the crowd and 
you know, you're like, okay, no, I'm doing all stuff that hits. You know, right. this is no new stuff. Yeah, you don't want to be like testing things at that point. Yeah, that you tested stuff for that moment. Right. How long do you think it takes to test something before you think you have it down to use it in that kind of a situation? It depends. Usually I know like once I write it, if it'll work or not. I Even if I really, does Like you know right away? Right. I'll know if something's going to work or if it won't work. But even if I know it won't work, I'm still going to do it. Because yeah. I wrote it down and maybe I'm wrong. So what's your writing? Pro- Dan told me you have an interesting writing process as well. What's how do you normally like write a joke? Like what goes into it? Yeah, I'll just like think of an idea and then I get on stage and I just talk until I. So I like it's kind of like uh, kind of like pottery a little bit where you just like have clay. Uh-huh. And that's like my idea. And then I'll just I get up like 15, 20 times a week and I just try to form the clay into some sort of so you don't script it as much going into it you kind of just like i have this rough idea and kind of almost freestyle it in a way right because i think comedy should be conversational i think that's uh-huh. that's on my favorites patrice o'neill Patton oswalt anyone you see at the cellar you could tell very few of them actually write their jokes word for word because yeah. you want don't i feel like that's scripted yeah it comes off too scripted and I feel like you can kind of tell that sometimes. Like sometimes you can kind of tell like, oh, they've done it that exact way before and stuff. I, I feel like it's hard because you want to be as genuine as possible, but it takes so much work at doing a certain bits that I feel like it's hard to not sound that way. You know Exactly. And you could tell, at least at the stage that me and Dan are at right now, who is writing their jokes word for word and who goes up and kind of does that right from stage aspect. And usually... The people that get the better reception are the people who write from stage. And I think it's because you don't have to be in comedy to be like, this seems kind of staged. Yeah, you can can kind of read that just being in the crowd like as a normal audience member. And go to a play, you know, go to, you know, a funny play if that's what you're looking for. But stand up, it should feel like, you know, you're the guy at the party, you know, just having fun. That's at least how I see it. You know, people have different opinions. So you've been doing it. For seven years, so much longer than uh, Dan's been doing it. He's only been doing it like three or four years, I think he said something like that. Yeah, I've been um, like every night for three, four years. But when I was in college, because I'm from Long Island, I would you know take the train in every summer whenever yeah. I was home every night and just go in. So that's definitely a big grind and takes a lot of dedication to be doing something for that long. Do you ever, does it ever wear on you and do you ever kind of... Like, do you ever unwind at some point? Or have you literally been consistent? Do you take breaks? Do you ever get frustrated and consider like, ah, oh, you know what, just fuck it. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. Like, how much has doing it for so long affected your mental state and how you view comedy in general? No, I think it's uh, it's like going to the gym. Once you had the routine down. Like, it's just, like it, I'm not going out to do comedy. Like, that's just, this is my day. That's what you do. That's, like a, good, that's a good point because that's kind of what lifting is for me now. So that's a good point. Right. Good it's just, you know, you're not... It's not like, oh, I'm going to the gym after work. It's just like, okay, after the gym, then I have to, like, it's just, it's already involved in your day. And that's what comedy is to me. Like I do, now I do my job, get out of work. And then from like four to 12, I'm doing comedy. Right. And that's just. And, and comedy is a big, I feel like they put a lot of emphasis on how long you've been doing it. Like, even if you are very talented, they still look for someone who's put in that as much work as you have do you find that you feel like people like think like do you get a better reception from like the other people kind of in that world just because of how long you've been doing it or do you think 
Like you think it's more so the how long you've been doing it or how much your skill has improved as you've been doing it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what it seems like people just judge you based off that number of how long you're doing it. Right, because like, like like I'm like a big Rogan guy, so he always has comedians on and that's kind of what it's in like other people listen to. That's kind of what it seems like is people just, how long you've been doing it? You're like five years, please, I did a 15. Like I feel like it's almost like a... Right, it's like a badge of honor type of thing. Yeah. But it to me, what it seems like, it doesn't really matter. Right. Like Michael Che started when he was 27, 28. He was doing it for three, four years and then got all this work. And it's not, you know, it's because he's extremely talented. Right. It's not, you shouldn't look at someone and be like, oh, three, four years. Matteo Lane, who's an amazing comic, uh, he got the Just for Last Festival after a year and a half, which is on, like, that's really, it's funny. unheard of. Yeah. But he's that good. You know, he deserves to be there. So I, you know, there are people who, break out of that but yeah for the most part people look yeah, at expect for that number to be like 10 years at least before the like the, okay like i guess you're serious yeah they usually say like after five years yeah those people start taking you a little more seriously but still it's usually yeah. like eight nine years i feel like that would piss me off so much i would get so annoyed at that right like, it's just like it just it is what i guess you just accept that after a certain point kind of is what it is right it's really the industry who's doing it. it's not really other comics if another yeah. comic who's above you sees you're doing well you know they help you out but like you know you talk to a booker at a club and they're like oh you've only been doing it for three years right and you're like you're not even a comic like who yeah. are you yeah, to judge know. me yeah do you feel like the community in the city is pretty like open and friendly and kind of build each other up and like do you have you made a lot of friends that kind of all support each other or do you feel like it's a little competitive and people kind of are like it's a little cutthroat in a way i would say it's more like uh southern hospitality mm-hmm. like we all like dan's one of my best friends we have like a a group that we hang out with the most but we had you know there's people i feel like there's a lot of respect but it's a lot of southern hospitality like oh dude yeah you're doing great and then people turn and know turn their backs and they're like this guy fucking sucks yeah because yeah, i listen to do you pay attention to andrew schwartz at all or andrew schwartz andrew schultz andrew schultz i meant andrew yeah schultz, yeah oh yeah. Well, of course yeah, no, I yeah. Said schwartz andrew schultz andrew schultz he says that a lot about the difference between like new york and la he's like oh like la he'll be like yeah like those guys are all friendly they support each other and he feels like new york it's the opposite of that people are competing too much and he his big thing is trying to bring everyone together to support each other so I just get that idea from him that New York, it's not as friendly and open as like somewhere else like LA would be. Well, that's what it seemed that, I mean, that's what it seems like. I think, uh, Tim Dillon, it was a, another, yeah. he just, he was on Rogan and he, uh, now he's out in LA. He's um, amazing. And I, he put it the best way. He's like in New York in comedy, you get up every night, six times a night, you cut off your friends, your family, they're holding you back and they're losers. And then in LA, uh, you make a friend and you have lunch. That's how you make it. That's how you make it into two industries. And you could also, you know, there's uh, pros and cons to both. I think it's good to be friendly with everyone. I think everyone should respect everyone. But also, like, L.A. comics are generally weaker than New York comics. And that's because they just don't get up as much. Yeah. You know, it's like more baseball players come from Florida than New York just because they can play more baseball. Right. Like, that's it. So... I think there should be, you know, take the benefits of both communities. 
You've had some pretty fire analogies, I've noticed. You must have a lot stashed up. There's like five, I think, that you've done. I was like, yeah, that's the perfect analogy. Well, yeah, I mean, no, no. <laughs> doing the fitness, I'm from the fitness background. Yeah. I feel like yeah, uh, most people understand. Damn, yeah, you're making perfect sense to me. So I don't know about the audience. I'm sure it's the same. Um, what's the best you ever did on stage? Like, is there a time where you're like, y'all, like, this is the best I've ever done? No, I don't think there's, yeah. you don't really remember the good times. Yeah, that's like with anything though. You right. remember the times people talk shit on you, or the times it's bad, or yeah, no one like wants that. to hear like, oh yeah, I was at Gotham last night, I murdered. They're like, sick. Who yeah. cares? Right. Because they want to hear when someone threw a beer bottle at you at the Grizzly Pear yeah. at five o'clock on a Wednesday. That's what they want. Right. To hear. Those are the interesting stories. Yeah. Right. Um, do you feel like it's affected like your uh, social life and stuff outside? Like you were saying, the cutting off your friends stuff in New York before. Do you feel like you had to do that? To some degree, like you had to make a change in your social life to make the comedy stuff work. Yeah, to some degree, like I'm, I've never been to a happy hour. Like I, I have a beef with happy hour. I always get mad. Like I, I go to happy hours, like people work and stuff like that. But I always get mad if people are obsessed with happy hours. It's like you could be doing so much more with your time than going to happy. What hour are they all like? Time. Can you tell me what to like? They're out there? lame. It's just like I don't know. I don't like it either because when you go when you go with a coworker and you're drinking, you're always scared you're going to say something you should, and someone's going to do something embarrassing. So it's almost like stressful. I don't even like it. I feel like I'm gonna embarrass myself mm. in front of my uh, director or something, so I kind of get out of there before I even get too many drinks in me. See, I just I never even considered it with coworkers. You know, yeah. I grew all my friends I grew up with are in the city, so like I would always think it's with them. I don't know. I've never had an interest in hanging out with coworkers. Like, yeah, because you kind of like it's like a weird like you have to, you feel like obligated to, but you don't. No one really wants to. No one wants. To. Yeah. No, I don't know. Some people do, I guess. Yeah, it's just true. But like, like I like to hang out with comics i'm with comics right. every night and i feel like the, that's kind of like being with your co-workers right yeah. and it's people who have the same like that's our that's what we are driven to do and i feel like you know that's what it seems like at the at companies now i don't know like i have friends who work for um like uh what's a salesforce like they have the whole like yeah. nice culture and but you it seems like you have to work there like 11 hours a day but they're like yeah but yeah, you we have foosball. Hour. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, yeah, those things are just traps that keep you in the office too. Like mine, they have ping pong and like cafe, but it's just a way to keep you in the office and make it seem like it's not as shitty as it is. Exactly. That's. <laughs> I feel like it's just like they're like, yeah, but have you seen the view from the roof? I'm like, who cares? who cares? Yeah, I'm at my desk the whole day anyway. <laughs> it doesn't matter, right? Yeah. You're making cold calls all day. Like it doesn't right. matter. You're wearing a headset. Yeah. Like just. Do, do you have a full time job in addition to comedy, or? So when I first I graduated. In 2016, and then I worked at Sloan Kettering doing exercise oncology research there. Did that for two and a half years, a little bit. Then I went to a place called La Palestra, which I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Sounds familiar, but I don't know. It's a, it's like the bougiest gym in Manhattan. So like their clients like Howard Stern, uh, Ryan Seacrest, uh, Liam Neeson, like these. It's and they were the poor people. Like the, the broke ones. It's, yeah, it's like <laughs> stupid money. I was the medical director there for like six months, and they never paid my commission. So I was like, "All right, peace." You would think a place like that would. Oh, it's life. yeah. That's a whole episode in itself. Yeah. that place. <laughs> Too much of a conversation. Going on. Yeah, uh, and now I'm working uh, with another comic, Tommy O'Regan, a friend of the program. Uh, he would work at a. It's a research management company. So basically, uh, we're like the matchmaker for hedge funds and experts they want to invest in. So uh, I just, I work from home. I call people all day. I'm like, you work for Nike. You want to talk about them? And they're like, yeah or no? 
I'm all like, right. all right, that's my job. That is, it's perfect for comedy. Yeah, yeah you got to find that job that makes you enough money that you can support yourself, but gives you the the work life balance, like the time to because all that shit's time. You need the time to practice. Right. You need the time to improve. Go to you have to do so many shows every day. You're saying so it's like you can't have a job where you're working twelve hours a day. Right, and the CEO like he hired us cause we're comedians. Yeah. So he's, he got us like a creative coach, creative therapist that we meet with on Wednesdays. And like, he's like, you, this isn't your job. This is what you do to make money. And I was like, I like this I like guy. that attitude. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. He was full. He's like, like a Thursday. I'm in a Saratoga Springs plug. Uh, and I'm just not going to work Thursday and Friday. He's like, yeah, no problem. Yeah. Don't worry about it. That's awesome. Yeah. As actually the, I saw Gary V say something about that recently that I thought was cool. He was saying like in his company, that's what he tries to do. He tries to, he's like, Oh, not everyone wants to do what I want to do. They don't want my company to succeed. Like their goals are different. Like my job is to figure out how to make their goals come true, but like also help me. So it's kind of like goes back to what you're saying your boss does or whatever. Like he knows your focus is comedy. So how do I make the comedy work for him, but also get the benefit of you working for him, I guess. Right. And he understands like if I'm not, you know, I give these people breaks and let them do their aspirations. They'll just work harder for exactly. me in yeah. the meantime. Like he's, it's a great move. Right. Everyone wins. Yeah. Some people don't get that. And they just want you to be like balls to the wall doing their shit and helping their dreams come true. Not realizing that you have, you know, your own shit you're trying to work on. Right. Like I have a friend who's a comic, amazing comic. He uh, works at an accounting firm and he hates it. But he passed the, was it series seven? Did I get that right for accounting? Series seven's like for trading, I think. That whole, I don't understand what anything's <laughs> going on out there. There's so many series too. There's like series every single number that I like. I know seven and 66, but then there's like 50 other ones. I can't even, I don't even know which are which anymore after that. Right. Yeah. But like that kid, he's miserable. You know, he's right. working and they work him to the bone. And now he has to has still be mentally like ready to now grind four shows right. that night. So yeah, that's tough. That's yeah. tough. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like at that point you'd have to kind of commit to one or the other. If you're going to have a job like that, you have to commit to, all right, I'm just going to do this, try to climb up the corporate ladder, or I'm going to commit to comedy and find a job that'll help me thrive more in comedy. Right. Like you can't balance both. Exactly. You're just going to wear yourself down. Yeah. And you, if you know that's what you want to do, just do it. And that should be right. for anything, you know? Yeah. I don't think anyone is like truly happy at their job. So just right. like, if you are, Good for you. I think you're lying. Yeah. But yeah, just like yeah, Or if you don't really care, you just want it, like your job provides you the ability to enjoy your leisure time and that's what you want to focus on is your leisure time and not your career. Like that's fine too. It's whatever. But like you need to know what you want. And right. Exactly. If you're just like working to live. Yeah. I hear you. Like yeah. that's, but that's like your dream. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're doing it. Right. Work whatever job you need to do to go to Spain for a month. Like, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, no, I feel that 100%. It took me a while to like, because I don't think that way, but it took me a while to just understand like, all right, other people might think that way and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I think we're just so pressured Yeah. that like this, you have to what you have to move up the ladder. I'm like, right. why, like, why? Yeah, you don't have to. Do it Do it because you want to, not because you feel pressured by like society or other people. Right. Are yeah. you really passionate about data analytics? Yeah. Are you really, <laughs> do you really love Tableau? You yeah. don't. So like, just <laughs> find what you really want to do, which you might not know. Yeah. Which is, but you know, just keep searching. Right. Let's talk about the, the barstool thing. Let's, yeah. let's bring that up and see. Uh, I was a little confused. I was looking at it. So when you do your, when you have shows and you're on the, 
I don't know if poster is the right word, but when I see like yeah, you're about to show, is that the right? Yeah, I think, yeah. I don't, I don't it's know. good. I, I don't would say so. You should correct me. So I would say yeah, right next to po- I would say poster. Okay, yeah, poster so there's good. a poster. You have Barstool Sports next to your name. Right. So you had an interesting story that happened with Barstool. So I guess you could just, you tell it better than I do. So like what happened with that? Yeah, so I was, uh, I was the first person to ever audition. They had that Barstool Idol uh, right. thing. Uh, so what happened was when I was doing my master's, I did my master's in a little under a year and every day I was doing my, I couldn't do comedy in that time because I was a grad assistant at the school. So they were paying full tuition, but I had to work 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. And then I had class 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. I did that from July to August, the work uh, part. Uh, So every day from July, July 2015 to August 2016, I sent a tape to KFC on Twitter every day, same time. Once I walked into the office at 6 a.m., DM KFC. I did every day. It's the same clip? Same clip, same message. Oh, and the, the inspiration for that, as everyone knows this story, uh, Sean Kingston, that's how he got his first uh, record deal. Shout out, Sean Kingston. Is it actually? I don't know that story. Yeah, facts. Uh, did you do that to like a record exec or something like that? Right. You just sent his yeah. record every day until they listened to it. So I was like... Sean Kingston, extremely talented, so <laughs> I should follow his, uh, you know, fire burning. Sean what Kingston a, is a legend. He's a Except legend. he's not good on jet skis. No, yeah, that's very what we learned. Very bad at riding jet skis. <laughs> also very bad at uh, being around Migos, and that's what we also <laughs> yes, learned. Yes, that too. <laughs> <laughs> about Sean Kingston. So I said to every day, and then he, uh, towards the end, when I was uh, at my time doing the master's, uh, I was actually teaching a class, and uh, my coworker came in, and he was like, yo, you're on Barstool. And I was like, Shut the fuck up. I'm on Barstool. What are you talking about? And he's like, there's a whole article written about you. You're, they put your tape up. It's on there. And I was like, what? So I looked and I guess I didn't really follow. I didn't really have the time to follow what was going on. But right. apparently KFC was because uh, was, there's a guy, Rico Bosco there, who's their sport gambling guy, who apparently is also messaging KFC. He's like every day also. So I follow Barstool like a good amount. He like I don't really get him because he's like their unofficial gambling guy, but he's like not really works at Barstool, but he calls in all the time and like annoys them. I don't really understand what his deal is, but yeah, they have like shit with him all the time. Right, yeah. So I don't really get him though. And he doesn't go on camera either. Something like that. But he was know. calling in every day or he was something messaging like, them? Something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so apparently KFC was saying, uh, I won't watch your tape, Rico trying to like combine me and Rico, I guess. So people would keep like, sorry, tweeting at KFC saying like, release the Rico Bosco tape. And that was going on for like, I guess a month. And like they held it up at WrestleMania. Like I had no idea what was going. I had no idea any of this. Yeah. So I went back and I read the article I was telling you before we recorded. Like I was so confused reading it. Like what Rico Bosco had to do with you. Like I didn't understand it at all. No idea what was going on. And then, uh, yeah, the article KFC wrote about me was nice. He put up my tape, which was exactly what you wanted. What I right? wanted. Yeah. But people, not so much anymore. But for like, up until like January, people were stopping me and being like, "You, you're the Rico Bosco really? comedian tape." That's why I put it on the posters because like I get a lot of people that like still come up. Yeah, so me. people remember you by so right. like a lot of times. Yeah. Yeah. So then, uh, that's how I got on their radar, and then they did the Barstool Idol thing. I emailed them saying like, "Hey, what's going on with this?" And they're like, "Yeah, but the first one is this time. Can you come in?" I was like, "So, yeah. did you ask, or they offered you to just be on that show?" No, I pre- I sent in another tape. Oh, really? Because at this time, I was now back doing comedy for like two months, and I was like, "I'm in it." 
Like I know what's going on. Okay, yeah. I finally got my wheels You're greased, like locked in, yeah. and I didn't. I was awful. And the material I told it was okay, but it it wasn't what I like what I'm doing now. And right. uh, I I showed up. I was the only person there. I was wearing a fucking Hawaiian shirt with like donuts and hot dogs on it because I was like, <laughs> these guys, these guys will like this. Yeah. You know, playing. I'm playing to the crowd. Uh, and how they set it up, it was set up very odd. It was uh. You were in the podcasting room they're in, right. and that's where everyone was hanging out, and then they call you out one by one. Then you'd walk out, and it, they had the three judges, which were KFC, uh, Portnoy, and Erica, the CEO. Mm-hmm. Then the camera right here with uh, uh, whatever it's called, the boom mic. The boom mic, yeah. And then the rest of the office, which was at the time probably like 30 to 40 people, mm-hmm. all on the left no one watching you. They're just watching the live stream of you, but they're looking at the comments. And they're like, so no, okay. it's not a f- environment for comedy. Yeah, because you need the crowd. Like, yeah, if you're going to try to do stand-up, the crowd response is like a big part of it. Right, and just no, it was very obvious. And also I found out because it was me and uh, Francis Ellis, who now who works now at works Barstool. Yeah. Uh, we were the only people who were comedians and there was one guy who was a vlogger a blogger uh, for like a sneaker website and no one else had any talent they blew they were one so how, kid, so how did they get on no idea one kid was like i wrote a poem on the way here is that is that what i should do and we were like i don't what i don't know what's going on here that's so so weird. we found out like no one really knew what this was like they just kind of threw it together because well, like just, they're kind of disorganized it's kind of their mo so Right. That kind of makes a little sense, but still that seems, and it's also, I feel like that's hard because it's, that was the first season they did it. People who don't know, it's like a, in Barcelona, it's literally like American Idol, but it's just, they're trying to find like their next employee to be like a blogger, to be on video, like make content for them. Right. Essentially. And that was the first one. So you're the very first person to ever do it. First person ever. So I feel like it's hard. Like you have no expectation. You didn't know what to expect. The next year around people saw all those and they kind of was like okay this is gonna work this won't they'll be receptive right. to that like you're going into that totally blind right 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 yeah uh yeah so i thought just do material that's what they'll want right nope so i did i did a jo- the first joke i had was it i was about how i uh, i grew up on uh, long island and uh, I was picked on for being poor, which is, you know, that's a lot of people get picked on for being poor. Right. Uh, but I was also picked on uh, for not being Jewish, which I'm the only person I think that's ever happened to. Like, it's never happened in history. <laughs> and uh, then they said that joke's anti-Semitic. And I was like, oh, what? No, it's pro-Semitic, if anything. Yeah. I think it's, I'm being picked on. Do you not understand what the context yeah. of the joke is? And then... Uh, then uh, Dave said, uh, so how much left is there? I was like, like right after that first joke? Yeah. I was like, well, I, I guess you don't want me. I mean, it was like, there's more. He's like, all right, I guess keep going. So I did the next joke, which is, uh, what did I say? Is uh, my, my middle name is after my uh, great grandfather who got arrested for domestic violence in the 30s. And I was like, <laughs> how hard did he hit her to get arrested for domestic violence? <laughs> In the 30s. And you know what's funny is now I'm remembering this. <laughs> yeah. And they were yeah. like, whoa, you can't joke about hitting women. Hitting no. women. Yeah. And I was like, do you know who you are? Like, do you know? You guys make. It's also yeah. like comedy. Like, that's like, uh, I mean, maybe stand up 
Like they, I don't know if they were looking for a same comedian per se, although they hired Francis. But like that's that very much jives with a stand-up comedy like environment. Even if you think that oh that doesn't like work with this room or whatever, like you're doing stand-up and in stand-up that plays. Well, it's so. not just they've said significantly worse things, which I don't think they should keep doing it. Well, you yeah. know, I, I think I, I think that might maybe that was part of the issue is they were trying to like get away from that, you know. Maybe uh, that well, it. in the years after, it doesn't seem like that's their yeah. mo. Yeah. Uh, but so it was just very confusing. And they, Dave said, uh, "I just don't like stand-up comedy." I was like, oh, that's okay. So then why, why, why am I here? Yeah, like you knew I did stand up. So. Right. So what's the purpose? Right. And KFC's like, I just hate you. And I was like, so you guys just kind of just brought me into. Yeah, they kind of just wanted to. Yeah, get you kind of just, you knew what like. you were doing with this. Right. Uh, which is fine. I don't yeah. care. I got my name out there. People recognize. Yeah, you got some benefit out of it, even though, right. it, even if it didn't go well. Uh, but just, and then Francis went up. And they also told them they don't like stand-up. But, uh, you know, I'm glad Francis ended up getting it because he's extremely talented. Right. You know, and he's at, now he's really, he kind of changed the culture there. He's doing a lot of sketches and yeah. stuff like that. And uh, he's awesome. Well, it sucks. Yeah, he is good. Like, me and my friends, are probably, he's probably one of our favorites. And that also, him getting the job and doing well there probably now made them more receptive to having a comedian. So if you were to have done the same thing, maybe after Francis, like a year later. No, they asked me to come on for season two and I was like, Oh, they did. Yeah. They're like, well, wow. uh, they're like, Francis was like, Oh, you should apply again. And I was like, yeah, I don't think uh, that's going to happen. Yeah. I feel like that's tough. Cause you're like, even if that opportunity would benefit my career, like you kind of brought me on essentially to shit on me. Like it seemed like, at least. right. So at that point it's like, why would I, take that risk again like how do I know you're not going to do it again right and they had uh, Tommy O'Regan uh, was like on the season friend, two right? he opens for Francis he was on uh, for the Barstool Idol yeah uh, and they told him that they weren't looking for what he offered and I was like then why are you having him on yeah. like he knows how to write jokes and how to structure material and how to write ske- like that's not what you're looking for yeah so it's a, it was a very odd you know yeah I feel like it, I, I just also think part of the problem is like they're not I don't know it's just like if you're trying to do you're trying to do stand-up and they're not looking for a stand-up comedian but your pitch is like well I do stand-up see like I can make a room laugh like I can create jokes this can transition can translate to other forms of content but they don't right. see it they probably don't see it that way like oh we don't do stand-up so like and they just dismiss it immediately almost right it, they don't understand that they don't know they're looking for a comic. You right. Know, they are. They just have no idea that's what they're looking for. Yeah. So that it's a... And then once they got Francis, they're like, this guy. Yeah, he's How, how is he's, he so good? He's like, so good, Because yeah. he worked his ass off and he knows how to do all the things you're asking for. Yeah. But when you have someone who just sits in back of a computer and writes articles, yeah, he's not as funny as Francis because he doesn't know how to be. Right. And also, he's just not genetically as funny also. Right. But, you know, you don't understand... The stand-up translates... Yeah, it translates, everything. and there's also different. There's also different things you could do that would help them. Like you could be someone who's a good writer, and you'd be a great blogger. You could be someone who makes funny video content and sketches. You do sketches. If you do same com- like stand up comedy, as Francis has proved, that could apply to many other things. And he just did a stand up special for them, which right. So like the KFC just uh, he just did stand up. Actually, for- I, I did just see that. Yeah, he just Josh Wolf or yeah. something, right? Yeah. So I was like, I think now they're starting to realize, like, oh, we have right. to. And I think Dave has said often that they're trying to become Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Well, then, 
hire the types of people that you need from Saturday, you know, or maybe it's not, maybe you want an improv person, you know, maybe you want a guy like uh, Kyle Mooney, you know, he doesn't have a traditional comedy background, but he's he's extremely talented, but he, he worked at and and proved himself to be funny. Right. You know, just taking someone who has a kind of a big Twitter presence. Yeah. You know, that's on paper what you're looking for, but in actuality, that's not going to generate in the long run. Right. You know? Yeah. So how do you think that going through all of that, like that obviously sounds like a very frustrating thing to deal with, um, especially being that kind of how you framed it, which I don't disagree with, um, that they kind of knew what they were going to get out of it. Like they kind of knew how it was going to go before you even got up there. So do you think, how did that affect you going forward, like affect your drive, affect how you looked at things, affect your goals. Like what in your mind changed after going through all of that experience? Oh, I mean, nothing. And you just, kept and you just keep going. Yeah. It's not the first time. It's just, that was just the biggest stage I've bombed right. on. That wasn't uh-huh. the worst bomb. You know, that's yeah. just the thing most people know. Right. Right. So did they, does anybody ever said anything to you about putting Barcel sports on like, any type of flyer when you're about to perform or, you know, you're on the lineup for a show or something. Do they, has anyone ever reached out to you and be like, well, you don't work there? No. Cause that's what I'm known for. Right, so it's not for work. Right. It's yeah. whenever you see someone with like, it's called a credit. So like if you see, right. like so if you go to the cellar and you look, they have the poster outside, yeah. they'll have a name and then something next to it, like the late show, late night, right. you know, just something that you would know them from. Right. That's what, my thing is. Yeah, but I mean, like, you, like as a comedian, you know that, but like, maybe I was thinking maybe someone at Barcelona doesn't realize that and they might have said something, but nobody's ever reached out to no, you. No, I think since. they. They do? Okay. They That's good. Acknowledge it. That's good because that'd be annoying I'm, to be like. They probably don't yeah. even know I'm, it's also there. Yeah. So, that's true. So it's whatever. So since that, um, you've still been pursuing it. Um, do you think you're getting. Like, do you see the progress being made? Like how, like when you're doing it, do you see like you're making progress every single day? Like, okay, like each time I'm doing it, getting better and better. Are there just moments you're like, oh, wow, like uh, that went much better than a few months ago. Like, where do you see the progress to motivate you to keep going? It's uh, just keep getting, you know, more and more things, like more and more work. You know, when you first start, you're like, oh yeah, last week, you know, now I feel a little more comfortable. Now I take the mic out of the stand and I know how to, you know, address a crowd. I know just how to stand on stage. You know, that takes maybe a year, you know, it takes a while to just get comfortable standing. Right. And now for the amount I'm doing it, it's like, you have to look, I look back in the past year and I'm like, Oh, you know what? Last year I wasn't going on the road and I wasn't getting shows at clubs. So it's more like, uh, you might, bomb four sets in one night but then you have to look back and be like okay it's a part of the process what you're doing right and some of those shows you like i didn't it didn't go well but there was no chance i would have ever gotten to do that show two years ago or something like that so right. it's all it's just like any industry it's yeah. all connections right you know now i'm going on the road uh with a guy i've become good friends with and he's been bringing me to atlantic city and philly and now we're going to saratoga this week and he's connecting me with people and helping me out so it's all any any field of work you want to move up you need someone above you to you know help you up right here's a question actually because you were saying how the barstool thing they didn't like the content of the jokes i guess how have you 
handled or maneuvered around like the whole PC stuff. Again, you, cause I, I remember I asked Dan this, when I interviewed him for the first time and he kind of, since he started fairly recently, it was already kind of like that. I think like people like being really conscious of those things. And I feel like who gets affected the most by that is comedians because you're always trying to toe that line. And then the, where the line is kind of gets blurred. I feel like now, cause you don't know like what one person's line is different than someone else's. So how do you, do you take that into consideration when you're making jokes at all? Or do you just, Oh no. Usually I think this is funny. I'm just going to do it. If people don't like it, like tough shit. Right. I'm also not like the mo. I don't really push any boundaries for the yeah. most part. You know, a lot of people, I, you know, I push, but I don't, you know, I'm not really doing anything too crude or anything right. like that. Uh, but you can't keep those people in mind. It's a very, it's a very loud minority of people. Right. Exactly. And it's you, and the people are stupid. Like you could, yeah. you They'll yell out. I have a joke where I say, uh, Mark Anthony looks like a Puerto Rican earthworm going through chemo. <laughs> and it's hilarious. It's a hilarious yeah, joke. He's not a good it's, oh my God, he's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> and usually it does very well. Yeah. Uh, but on occasion, people will moan. I'll be like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, does he look well? Yeah. And then that will get the laugh. Because, right. you know, you could be like, oh, you said chemo. You know, you shouldn't yeah. make fun of. I'm like, the. Per- He's disgusting. That's what we're trying <laughs> to get to here. <laughs> and that, that's the way I'm saying it. Right. If I just said, oh, he's gross, you'd be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you would laugh at it because it's not a funny way to describe right. it. Right. Yeah. Earthworm going through... Uh, Puerto, earthworms are, can't be Puerto Rican. I guess maybe they can't be Puerto <laughs> they Rican. Could be. We don't yeah, know. they're from Puerto they Rico. Be, yeah. yeah, I don't know. But, you know, I've never seen an earthworm carry a Puerto Rican flag, but yeah. maybe they do. I don't know. But, you know, it's just an absolutely ridiculous statement to make. Yeah. That's why it's funny. Yeah, it's also... I, what I don't get about because I always I just assume that happens and if and when that happens I don't get like why are you there if you're someone who's easily offended by something someone's gonna say the most likely place where someone's just gonna say that is gonna I feel like is gonna be doing stand-up comedy I just feel like because there the rules should apply less so if you're going to a place where you know the rules apply less if it's gonna bother you just don't go so I don't get why those types of people are even there exactly Makes and now no like unfortunately a lot of shows have to start now I was at Gotham last week and the host was like just to let you know this is a comedy show people are gonna say things you don't agree with and if that's the case yeah don't be shut there shut up yeah shut up or don't go like it's just you're like you're you're almost seeking out getting butthurt about something just don't go like if if you don't want to hear it, just don't be there. That's it. That's the, end of, that's the end of the conversation. Like, there's no conversation about anything else should really happen. Right. And you're starting to see now, it's like comedy starting the branch where you have the club acts where it's it's people like Andrew Schultz, Mark Norman, like the, yeah. uh, the most talented comedians in the world right now. Yeah, Andrew Schultz is awesome. And Andrew Schultz pushes every boundary. And, he, and it's he's hilarious. Funny. He's funny it, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. But then you'll go and now the scene is... If you go to a lot of like places in Brooklyn, you see this like PC comedy where it's not necessarily laughs they're going for a lot. It's like they're going for claps. Yeah. So like you agree with me. Right. You know, it's because it's less of a comedic form. It's more just like a, a outlet for people just to get on stage and say their opinion and try to like spin it at the end to be funny. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's also just I feel like. If you're putting too many boundaries, you're just limiting what you could do. Like the the more boundaries you put on a comic, it's just I feel like you're just making it impossible for them to get those funny jokes out. Like you need to have you need to be comfortable that you could say the things you want to work at a bit to make it good. Like if you start hampering your freedom, your creative freedom, it's just you're never gonna get to your 
like your potential. I feel right. Like. And it ruins someone who's not in comedy. You came out the laugh and now one person doesn't agree with the comic. Now it ruins your night. Like right. why is your opinion greater than their opinion? Yeah. You know, you're no you're nothing. Yeah. None of us none of this matters. Right. You're just words. Yeah, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Laugh, we don't do. laugh, and just keep moving after that. Right. Yeah. So who cares? Just yeah. shut up. If you don't like it, or go outside if you're that passionate about right. not liking it. I have no problem with that. Right. But like to objectively say I have a buddy who did a show at Broadway Comedy Club and he I don't I forgot what joke he told and one guy yelled uh, that's unnecessary like then that'd be so weird I was just like look at the guy like what like and the jokes were hilarious it's a darker joke it's a hilarious joke yeah. if you don't like it shut up yeah just don't go that's what I say just don't go right then if don't you go. can't if you can't handle you have to be you have to go into it prepared like I'm gonna hear the worst thing I ever heard and if I can't handle that I can't go I feel like that's just the, the evaluation you have to make. Right. You have to go there with the most open mind possible. And if I don't like something, I'm just not going to laugh and I'm not going to say anything. Exactly. That's fine. But like, uh, You don't have to approve of it, but you don't have to. Because also, if someone says that to you, that's going to screw you up. Yeah. It screws I, up your whole set if someone like bitches you out. Like Maybe sometimes you could spin it and make it funny, but it might not. It might screw up the whole vibe of the crowd and stuff. Exactly. Andrew Schultz, he just, it's on his YouTube. He did a show and a woman in the audience had a seizure. And he was making jokes about it, crushing. And one woman said, this isn't funny. He was like, oh, I'm sorry. And talked to her. He's like, what do you do for a living? And she's like, oh, I'm an EMT. He's like, oh, uh, then why didn't you help her? Yeah, I remember this. Yeah, I remember him like shitting on her. And that's so true because people just want to say like, oh, I think this is bad. But they don't do anything about it. They spin it to them. They want it to be about, I don't know, maybe it's like subconsciously like someone has a platform. Like you want to actually be the one. Maybe you're like envy. I don't know why people. Yeah, I don't get it. But uh, that I thought that was the best yeah, example that, ever. That's a, that's a crazy story. It's like you have to have very little self awareness to not realize that as an EMT you could have helped that person. Right, and it's a, it's a, it's great that he got it on film. Yeah, because like if he told that story, you'd be like, you wouldn't. Okay. That's kind of bullshit. Yeah, I don't believe. It. But it's literally there's a video of it. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's what I love that he's doing all that crowd work and putting it up and just showing how stupid people are. Yeah. So since I've been doing the, I need your advice. Since I've been, because you, you, for friends with Dan, you're also a comic. So me and Dan have been co-hosting uh, Thursday episodes together now. And uh, what I've been running into is he's very comfortable. Like he obviously has that stage presence. At least he's been working. You know, you go on stage, you're talking in front of a crowd of people. Like he's used to just talking and it's like right. comes natural to him. For me, I'm trying to learn it. You know, I'm just starting the whole podcast thing. You know, he's just starting the podcast thing too, but he's used to handling a mic. I'm not. Right, right, right. So how do I... He very much so, I don't know if he thinks this, but I notice it. I feel like he alphas the fuck out of me sometimes when we're talking. I can't, like, I feel like I can't keep up with him. Like, how do I, how do I keep up with a stand-up comic? Like, what do I need to do to be able to like, I don't know. How do I handle Dan? How do I get on Dan's level? I guess I need like some advice for Dan. Uh, do stand-up comedy. Should I? Yeah. That, I mean, if that's your, it's, that's like, <laughs> you know, how can I keep up with Michael Phelps? Right, well, be, right. Be <laughs> six six with huge hands and huge limbs, and yeah. like that. Eat, and eat like five or ten thousand calories over he eats. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know, it's just you know that's this is Dan's circle. This yeah, is why you, you he, can tell he's way more like I'm getting better at it for the limited amount of time I've done it. But you could tell he's much more comfortable like when we do it than I am. Right. This so, is his domain. Right. You know, you're stepping into the lions then when you're doing yeah. this kind of stuff with him. But you know, there's a reason why me and Dan don't play basketball. Right. Because we are not good at it. <laughs> we were know? actually just talking about that, and he was emphasizing how bad he is at basketball. It's right. <laughs> Specifically. There's a reason why I don't do things. It's not because I don't like them. It's because I'm not good at them. 
That's the reason why I love to play basketball. Unfortunately, I'm awful, so I'm just not going to do it. Yeah, that's funny. That's exactly exactly what he used as an example. We were talking about something. I forgot what it was. What if you could go back and change anything throughout your time doing comedy? What would it be? Oh, not go to college. Yeah. Yeah, that was a waste. Yeah, you think waste oh, yeah. in terms of time, money, waste both? of time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I've known I wanted to do this. My it was just like putting off the inevitable, like. Okay, I have the degree now. Like, I have a job that requires anyone could do it. A four-year-old yeah. could technically do this job. It's just asking right. people if they want to talk. Yeah, so someone that cares enough or not. Right. right. I, had, I worked for a master's degree to make $45,000 a year. Like, why did I even... Like, it didn't even work out. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make any sense to do this. Yeah. So, it's like... And I wasn't going to go to college and people were like, yeah, you got to go. So, I did it. And then... I was like, okay, that's it. I did the, I have a bachelor's and then I got the scholarship for the master's. And then, uh, I know a guy who, uh, contacted the head writer of, uh, Jimmy Kimmel and he called me and he was like, do the master's, you know, comedy will always be there. Uh, but it was like technically, yeah, like, I think it's right. almost the reverse. I think the school, I mean, I guess not the free school. But school will always be there. I think the your ability to stick to comedy, like you got to jump on it. I almost would think the reverse. It's like an athlete. Like if an athlete gets drafted, be like, oh, I want to stay in school. It's like you might not get drafted again if you wait three more years. Like, you got drafted, go play. That's right. what I think. But in, it's kind of different than athletics because the older you get, you don't lose. You it, become I guess. wiser. Yeah, that's true. That's comedy. a good point. Which I think I agree. I have a lot of material on you know doing cancer research. You know, yeah. which if you want to talk about stuff that people don't really like. There you go. That. Yeah. Even Although you're the one doing the research trying to help the people and they're getting buttered if you're talking about it, probably. Right. <laughs> Saying like, uh, I said, like, I, when I quit, I wrote a joke about like, I left because what's the point? Like, why, you know, I'm yeah. like a flute player in the Civil War. Like, right. I'm technically here, but I'm doing nothing. Yeah. And people are like, oh, you can't say that. I'm like, there's no cure. There's not a single cure. <laughs> People are busting their balls. So yeah. I was like, relax. These are yeah. jokes. Yeah. They're jokes. Yeah. People just need to loosen up. Um, that's that's funny, though, because I kind of say that about the whole school thing. I keep predicting at some point there's not going to be that same type of pressure for people to go to school. Because some people, like, it makes sense to go to school. You want to be a lawyer. You want to be a doctor. Right. Certain things, you need to go to school. Even in certain business things, you need to go to school. So go to school. But everyone has this assumption either from their parents or just themselves getting it from wherever else society. Like I have to go to school. Otherwise my value is less or something like that. And it's not some people, some things you need to go, some things you don't need to. And you're either like spending too much money or like you said, it's the time you could have been dedicating it to time. what you love yeah. and getting better at it and fast tracking you to what you want to be doing. And you could have go spend the time, spend the money and then you end up not even doing it, which is what most people end up doing. Right. So it's, so. it's, you know, it's good to have something to fall back on, I guess. Right. Uh, but like, luckily, I didn't have to pay. Yeah, for that this. makes it that makes it a lot more justifiable. The fact that you don't have to pay that makes right. it a lot better. So if I was yeah. in debt with, oh, I'd be right. furious. The only thing I lost is time, which it's what it is. You know, you can't look back. But uh, yeah. you know, just now we could live in Manhattan yeah. and pursue. You know, right? This, yeah. I feel like it's just if you know you have that fire inside you to do something like comedy, you got to do it. Like you just, it, like your actions have to match that desire. So I feel like you always knew, like you said, I always want to do comedy. So you like you knew you had to jump into it, right? And now you're doing it. 
But at the time, like some people like, oh, but you should go to school. You should do that. It's like, no, but I feel this like I have to do. I, this is what I need to do. And it's like, just do it. Right. Well, well, well so what's your goal? So like, I always say I want like if someone asks me what my goal is, I always say it's just I want to be able to support myself financially doing something I like. So I kind of I've been working. I kind of do the same thing. I went to school. I know what I want to do. Did whatever. Um, got a job out of school. I've been doing it. It's fine. Good first job out of school. But I always like I want to do not be an entrepreneur, be my own boss. I was going through like a quarter life crisis. I don't know what to do. I was trying to think of ideas. Eventually, I was like, dude, screw it. I just need to do something because right. me thinking of ideas is getting me nowhere. And the longer I work and like the longer I wait, it's going to be more responsibilities, more money to lose. I might have a girlfriend and a family and then I have to worry about other people. It's, I'm single. I don't have much to lose. I should try something now. Right. So I just said, you know what? I like fitness. Uh, I'm just going to do something with that and just figure it out. So I just got certified as a personal trainer and then just started doing like online training, trying to make fitness content. And then it kind of and made apparel to sell. Then I started trying to get more like content stuff because mm -hmm. I was like, I want to be more of a personality, not like a douchey, like I'm flexing on Instagram the whole time. So like it's kind of turned now into this, it's kind of morphed to the podcast. I'm right. trying to balance the two, but it more so just stems from probably because I have a problem with authority maybe, but I think I just want to be able to have control over everything. Like I don't like having someone else dictate and control what I do. And I feel like I have enough faith in myself to be able to support myself financially through my own means and through my own skills and abilities. Right. And you should be questioning right. like authority and doing your own thing. You know, why, yeah. you know, why just follow along? What's the fun in that? Exactly. Like do it. Cause like I have, I've said this before on the podcast, but like I have friends who, you know, they work at big companies and they're getting all these certifications and trying to work their way up to whatever position in the company, but that's what they want to do. And I respect them for working really hard to get there, but that's not what I want to do. I was just kind of doing it cause I felt like I had to. So if, I don't think that's what you should be doing if that's your outlook on it. But here's my thing. And I would like to know what your opinion <laughs> on this is. Do you really think that's what they want to do? I think it's yes and no. I think so. I have friends where I could tell you that it's probably not. I think they just don't know. I don't think they, I don't think it is what they want, but I don't think they know what they want. So it's just kind of the default. Some people I think like me, I feel like I'm doing it and I know it's not what I want. So I'm trying to do what I want. Some people I think it really is what they want. And they're going after it. And maybe it is because of, like we were saying earlier, they want to be able to make as much money as they that they can to support this, the lifestyle and the leisure they want to do outside of work, right? So, so I feel like some people have different goals and that's fine. But there definitely is like a difference of people who want to do it, people who are just mindlessly going through it. And I think someone like you and me who are like, yo, I got to get out kind of thing. Right. Yeah, I guess it's like people can understand like the grind of comedy. Like I can't understand wanting to be an accountant at ey and working your right. way up i can't, like, either. I can't like, even me, fathom to me it sounds that sounds like one of those brutal things ever but i have friends who literally do exactly that and maybe they do want to do it maybe they just haven't thought of an alternative and they don't have enough faith in themselves or think it's realistic or whatever's holding them back but i think there's a full i think there's like a full spectrum of it i think some people are in that camp some people maybe that is what they really want and they that if you think about it that's a way of having authority i say i don't like having authority but if you work your way up in a company and grind kind of similar how to the grind of comedy you work your way up to a point where you now have authority over people and you have some autonomy and you're managing people and money and so like i could see that but for me like that's not what i want right you know well, I've, i i got into an argument with someone recently cuz they said that their dad's uh, their dad comes home every day after work and he he just starts working on the house. Yeah. And they're like, he's that's his passion. 
is working on the house. And I was like, no, that can't, that's not a passion. I was like, so he, he just comes home and starts working? They're like, yeah, walk right through the door, drops his stuff, goes into the backyard, Just he'll just do things in the backyard. I was like, yeah, I just think he hates his life. I don't think he's passionate about it. He's just out there to not, just, to just be away. And maybe he, it is his passion and he likes it, but it is to get away from the other shit he doesn't like. That's why he runs to it, probably. Right. right? It doesn't yeah. take three weeks to stain a deck. Yeah. Like, he's not out there. He's just out there because he's like, nah, it's just me. I yeah. can breathe for a minute. Which, right. But, like, is that, am I wrong? Is that not a passion? I think it, I think it's a passion. I think it's like a mix. I think it is a passion, but I agree with you that you run to it one I think because you enjoy it probably but two because it's a way it's like meditative you get away you get to do your own right. thing and you probably don't it's you need to decompress from whatever your job is that you probably dislike right this this has taken over my thought for like two weeks it's, been, <laughs> it's all I've been thinking of because I was like that can't be the pa- like com- comedy passion what you're doing with the fitness stuff yeah. passion F- fixing a table I think it's more it's more of a meditative thing. Maybe maybe it is a pa- maybe it is a passion but then you could question maybe that you should make that your job. That's what I said. Right. I was like so would he come to my house and stain like my deck? She's like, "Well, no, obviously not." I was like, "Well, then it's not a passion." Yeah, then I, I agree with you then. If if you're going to tell me that you only want to well, if you're into carpentry and you enjoy building things out of, you know, yeah, okay, that's a passion. But if you wouldn't, if I asked you to, you know, lay brick near my pool, you're like, oh, no, I just do it at my place. Then it's not, it's not a passion. <laughs> no, only my house, yeah. Right. Yeah, especially if, like, if you really liked it and someone told you you can get paid to do it, you would probably do it. Right, but. Yeah. Ah, if, it's, 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 it's weird just brain. because it's hard to be in other people's heads. Like, you only think the way you, like, that's how I am. I get like that, too, and I've kind of just accepted not everyone thinks the way I think. And just try and like, if that's their lane, that's their lane. I'm going to stick to mine. So, right. But I, I have that. I've had that problem a lot trying to be like, I don't understand how you think that way. Like, why do you think like that? I don't think like that. But at the end of the day, it's kind of, it's a useless fight. Some people just don't have that fire in them to question any of those things, I guess. Right. It just hits so close to home. Right. Using the word passion. And right. I was like, are you insulting me? Or am <laughs> I misunderstanding the word passion? Yeah. Or it's been, it happened like two weeks ago. It's all I've been thinking about. <laughs> No, I definitely feel that. I've had that those talks too. So what are your what's your what's the long goal? What's like ideal world, let's say two, three years from now, like where would you want to be? And as you have to put a time frame on it. Like what's the end game? What are you looking what are you searching for? End game's like the to do uh comedy and acting. You wanna do uh, that? Have you tried acting at all or no? I did the sketches in high school. Okay. And uh I do some shorts if people ask me to. Mm-hmm. Uh that's what I want to do i want to build the comedy career first and then once i could make enough money doing that then just spend all day acting and going out doing that uh you know i guess aziz would be the latest Mulaney. Right. Mm-hmm. uh yeah probably like Mulaney would be the closest uh example that's the long-term goal uh-huh. uh and then you know just build it up in two three years i probably won't still be full-time uh, right. But just trying to, you know, be at a club every night, you know, getting regular spots. I think that's that, that's realistically where I'll be. But I'll still need a job, a day job. Right. See, I think that's that kind of mindset is the difference between people who it works out for and who it doesn't because 
like you're willing to put in all that work and have the foresight to be to go, hey, I still might not be there years from now, but I'm still going to be going at it 100%. Some people, the thought of still doing something that many years and not getting the results they want is a... Uh, it's a non-starter. You know, they won't even try uh, just right. like in the first place. A lot of my friends, they're three years into comedy and they're like, well, why hasn't anything happened? And right. It's like, cause we're not good enough yet. Right. Just get, get better. Right. Like I'm impatient about this podcast. It's, this is going to be the 14th episode I did. <laughs> and I'm like, why well, don't I have a 200 subscribers already? It's like, right. You know it's, what I mean, it'll happen, but yeah. it's, it it'll takes come. time, right. you know, exactly. especially with the, with the, the podcasting is an art form. Like yeah. you, and Episode 50, it's going to be different than this episode. Exactly. It's just, just real. It's a whole process. This is a bigger scale thing. Yeah. For long-term success. Right. I, that's how I view it. If you want short-term, you know. Yeah. To think short-term, that's what you'll see. But if you, you just got to look at the... But the people who think long-term and are able to put in the work long-term are the people who it works out for. Like, I've seen people try to do some of the things I'm doing, but they give up a few months in. Right. And I've kind of just came to the point where I just said, I think that is, I have enough... For anyone to try, they at least believe that they could do it. So I think the only, so I believe I can be successful. You believe you could be successful. I think the only difference then comes down to how hard you're willing to work and how consistent are you willing to be? How persistent are you? Right. And what's your well, what's your reason of doing this? Also yeah. is another thing. That's a good point too, yeah. Yeah. I have a friend who has said if I'm not famous by the end of the year, I don't know what I'm going to do. I was like it's famous by the end of the year. You're no one. And then you want yeah. to be from fame yeah, and what famous is a talk? weird goal and to be famous. Exactly. Like, is that why you're doing this? Is to yeah. be famous? Like, and what is fame? Like, what is that? Right. Yeah. What is that? What value does that hold? What utility do you get out of that? It's just I don't know. Right. That's, that's not the right. That's not where your head should be. Exactly. You, you know, the successful comics, they don't do comedy for the money. No one does. No one has yeah. ever done comedy for the money. They do it because it's just a part of them. Right, and at least at the level I'm at now, you see a lot of people who are doing it. A lot of people do it. At least I'm just talking about comedy for a social aspect. It just gives them a place to hang out. I could see that, which is fine. I think more than fine, you know. Yeah. But let's all be, you know, let's all know where we're going, and you right. know, don't get frustrated if you don't get anything. Because the reason you're doing comedy is because, you know... Just to, like, fuck around. Or right, you, like, like drinking on a Thursday. Yeah, right. Yeah. I feel like that could get frustrating, too, because you're like, hey, I'm taking this seriously. You're just wasting time that I could be on stage practicing almost. Oh, that's... Right. I mean, of course. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> like, like, all right, dude, you're going to take it seriously. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and it's therapy for some people. That's true, like, too. I could see that, yeah. If you're in an open mic and there's a guy up there who's just talking that he got divorced <laughs> and he's just up there, nothing he's saying is funny, it's like, you know what? I yeah, he maybe needs it for himself. It's not funny or what I want to hear, but, you know, do you, I guess. Right. You yeah. signed up just like I did, you know? It, it's Yeah, you got to you gotta respect those people because you were at that point at one point, regardless of what their outlook is. And it's a drive to be yeah. like, oh, okay, I have to work harder so I don't have to listen to this guy talk about his divorce anymore. That, that's what Dan says. Dan's always like, dude, the open mics are the worst. Get to listen to other open micers and half of them suck. And yeah, he's told me that. Half is being very nice. Yeah, he's probably said more than that. I probably under-exaggerated and said half. <laughs> right, yeah. No. Then yeah, everyone knows all, you know, you hang out with the people that you think will be successful and that's who you, you know. It's good. You got to be around like-minded individuals. That makes it, they under, those are the only people are going to understand what you're going through. Exactly. Right. And we're all driven towards the same thing. And like you said earlier, we're, I, it's a lot more helpful of an environment than it was before. So right. everyone's trying to lift each other up for the most part. Right. 
Yes, that's what you need. You need a everyone's pursuing their own goals, but everyone is supporting each other, lifting each other up. Right. That's what you need. All right. Should we do? You think we should do the music stuff? Wrap it up. We've been going for a little while. Yeah. So. Whatever. All right. So, what do you got for people to listen to? Any music recommendation? Song of the summer is uh, "Next to You," Chris Brown, Justin Bieber. Okay. It's Chris- an old song. Oh, it's an old song? Old song. It's probably like six, seven years it's old. It's a song of the summer. <laughs> it's a song of the summer. I'm announcing it right now. It's going to come back. Oh, what a jam. That's so funny. I mean, both of those, they're, both of them are great. So. I have a very odd taste in music. Oh, like what do you, do you listen to everything? Do you have a, I listen a genre? To, I would say mostly like hip hop and R&B, but I listen to, I would say I listen to everything except country. Everything And not country. as much, probably not as much rock. Not that I don't enjoy it. I enjoy rock. But I probably, if you were to like put something, have you put something on, it'd be R&B, hip hop, like alternative pop kind of stuff, I guess. Like, so that plays. Uh, like top 50 type stuff? Nah, that's too like mainstream. I like, I, like be, I like being a hipster. So I like all like the, oh, I found this sick mm. R&B singer that nobody's ever heard. I, I get off on that. So I'm more of the hipster type. Okay. Yeah. So I'm anti top 50. But. Chris Brown and Justin Bieber both play into those genres, and I like both of them. So oh that plays for me. That song drips sex. It's amazing. <laughs> I've listened to it the whole subway ride up, just I like kept hitting replay. <laughs> amazing song. Song of the summer. Song of the summer. Song of the summer 2019. Yeah. That's six years old. <laughs> That's six years old. And Slipknot also came out with a new song. Like, it, this is, actually, I'm into everything. I didn't know they still make music. Oh, yeah. They still I make actually music. like Slipknot. I will be like honest. I do focus Slipknot pretty heavy, honestly. Right. Slipknot. Slipknot like, I listen to Corn. I like Corn. Corn. Like, oh, my God. When I was disturbed, like those are like the most popular. Oh yeah, ones, you're probably. going back in the yeah. day. You're going right. We're well, we're talking six years here. back, so we're yeah. talking six years back. So that's still plays, I think, too. What year? Yeah, 2013. <laughs> yeah, I, I wanted to see Coheed and Cambria a few weeks ago. Who I is usually that? go once a summer. Coheed and Cambria. I don't know who that oh, is. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shout out to that. Oh yeah, they're like uh, I don't know who I would compare them to. They're like uh, it's you have to listen to it. All it's right. all—it's all, it's heavy rock, but it's also like fantasy a little bit. Hmm. It's amazing music, great band from Nyack, New York, right yeah. over the bridge. I'll have to listen then. Great band. I'm a huge My Chemical Romance fan. My Chemical like, Romance major, is good. Major, major yeah, that works. Fan. Yeah. Uh, but and I also love One Direction. That's <laughs> not a lie. Love them. <laughs> That's not not a lie. My playlist. You should have put that in two truths and a lie, and it would not a lie. <laughs> not. A, that's true. That's why I showed that. I'll do it for the future. One day. <laughs> um. All right. This was awesome. Do you have anything you want to plug? Any shows or something? Or Instagram. Follow oh, me. Yeah, Apple that. Cobbler. I put a uh, throw my stand up clips on there. I do yeah. uh, once a week. I'm putting a thing. It's called. Uh, we might gonna add that. I can't believe I can't remember what it's called. Uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing. That's what it's called. And uh, it's just a minute of me talking about just my stance and views on different things in life, right. and just me being generally angry about. Oh, things. so am I, dude. The Italian in me. I feel that 100. percent Always angry. That's the last thing I talked about. Yep. How fucking Italians. You go get Italian food with them, and then all of a sudden you have this bullshit. Sicilian accent that you've never had before in <laughs> yeah, your life. You're just yelling. You're you're talking too loud. You're yelling, and but it's normal. Co- that's what people don't understand is to an outsider, it looks like we're yelling, but to us, we're just having normal conversation. No, you use my uh, <laughs> my roommate. He's a Sicilian, yeah. and he'll 
like we went to uh, get gelato, and he said uh, he's like using these Italian words. I'm like, just say raspberry, man. Just oh, say I raspberry. Get mad at, I kind of get mad about that too. I've said that on the podcast that I hate when people like for mozzarella is a good thing. They'll be like, oh my like, god, oh, I'm gonna have some mozzarella, and they say it like they're. It's like, all right, dude, relax. Just say mozzarella. Like, say it normal. Like, you don't have to say it like mozzarella, but you don't have to be like mozzarella. Like, just right. You're mozzarella. from Bergen County. Yeah. You're like, oh my god. <laughs> just be normal. Wow, your mom's Jewish. You're going on birthright in a month. Like, you're not a you're not a true Italian yeah. person. Exactly. No, I feel it. I 100% agree with that. That's funny. All right. So it seems like I'll like those on. Those yeah, that's. Uh, we're having a fun time. We're having a fun time. All right. Yeah. I don't know. Saratoga, Thursday. If okay. anyone's from there. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if my listener base in Saratoga. I'll have to check the stats and see if there's any. The so racetrack is an open yet. might be one person there. There you go. I'll take <laughs> it. Like, hey, bring a person. Show. All right. I'll put, uh, so Happel, at Happel Cobbler, I'll put that in the, all that info and stuff, will, links will be in the show notes. You can get to your social media pages and stuff. Yeah. So, all right, Rich, you're the man for doing this. I appreciate it. Um, good luck with the comedy stuff, and I'll be expecting your stand-up special to come out soon. Well, soon. Soon, but, but soon is vague. It could be any time frame. Yeah. Hopefully, Dan will get something also. Yeah, and we, Dan too. He uh, helps me out because I need someone help me. See? So that's what happens. Me and Dan become famous podcasters, and then he gets you your Spanish special. Boom. That's what I'm looking and for. And everyone wins. I'm trying to be uh, the fighter for, <laughs> to Rogan. Who's, uh, who's that guy? Fighter and the Kid. Fighter and the Kid. Oh, that's uh, Brian Callen and uh, Brendan Schaub. Oh, yeah. Brendan Schaub. Yeah. I love Brendan. People say I look like Brendan Schaub. You can't see because I have the hat on, but I have like the slick back hair kind of like. Oh, you do? I've, I've gotten the Brendan Schaub uh, comparisons, so. Which I'll take. But yeah, he was kind of like that. He was started off late and then got the, his friends helped him up, got the stand-up special. Right. So. Helps that he was an MMA fighter yeah. before. Yeah. Good credit to have. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thanks for doing this again. Yeah, thanks. All right. See you.